got status, now I'm a big dog, bitch. Pull up on the block, in a big Real, raw, unfiltered, life-changing advice to level up in every aspect of your life and business and help you reach your goals and dreams. So, Courtney, how's it going? How are you? Going well. Yeah. How about you? Happy Friday. We made it to the end of the week. We did. We did. It's, it's been a long week, it feels like. But I know, right? I know. It's been, it's been definitely a long week. I, I feel like... You know, Friday comes around and it's like, and I'm, I'm one of those people that like, I do get excited about the end of the week. And then I really don't get excited about the end of the week because I'm really always working. So right, it's right. like, Entrepreneur you know, okay. life, it's never really Friday. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's yeah. not a real Friday. I mean, you know, things still keep going. Right. So, yeah, um, totally. so we had some technical difficulties, but I think we are back on. Uh, hopefully, we're good. And before we kick things off, first of all, I wanted to mention that for those of you that you know haven't been watching the last couple of episodes, Courtney has joined the Ross Project as a co-host. I'm really, really excited, Yay! you know, to have her on the podcast because, uh, first of all, you know, I've known Courtney for what at least a couple of months now. It, yeah. Longer than that, maybe, I think. Yeah, it'd be like almost six months, right? Almost six months. Oh, my God. Where does this time go? It just flies, doesn't it? <laughs> it That's flies. crazy. That is crazy. So six months. And and so we've been chatting. You know, we've been working together on some things. And, you know, I finally was like, you know, Courtney needs to come on the show. You know, there's an amazing story that she talked about. But we're not going to dive in that, into that today. What we're going to dive into today is the topic I want to talk about, which is something I'm really, really excited, you know, to to get your take on, Courtney. And I know you're a huge psychology nerd, very much like me. So this is going to be an amazing, an amazing discussion. And before we do that, though, we are live on Facebook. We're live on Twitch, YouTube, Periscope, LinkedIn Live, uh, basically everywhere all over the Internet. Uh, and there's going to be more platforms that are going to be added. Make sure you follow Courtney. Make sure you follow myself also on all the socials. Just look for Courtney, uh, Tur Courtney Turner. And uh, with that being said, you know, let's let's jump in, jump into today's topic because it's a really good one: likability or self love. You know, I want to talk about this because I th I feel like. You know, with, with election, what, next week, obviously, and, you know, so much going on in our country, you know, social media blowing up, you know, like crazy, you know, like likability and self-love. Like, I feel like too many people are trying to be likable, Courtney. I feel like too many people are not loving themselves because they're so afraid of the rejection that they might face from others. I mean, what's your take on that? Totally. Um, I, I, I love this topic because I think it's one, a really important one. And two, I think it's become very trendy. And typically when things become trendy, they get a little bit watered down and the real meat of the context gets lost. Um, but that doesn't undermine the importance, I think, of this topic. And you brought up the election. You brought up how a lot of people are uh, trying to be liked and they're afraid to be true to themselves. And right. I know this is something I have actually personally really wrestled with. Um, and it's very apropos for this week. I launched a, an op-ed actually in the Daily Wire. And um, personally- Congrats on that. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. 
Um, so it's interesting because I co-wrote it with someone who is a uh, Hollywood insider. Um, so they wanted to remain nameless. Um, they actually approached me because one, they wanted you know help on the article, but two, mm -hmm. they didn't want their name on it. <laughs> um, right. And, you know, I really relate because I've wrestled with this as an actress. I've wrestled with it, you know, just uh, living in areas that where a lot of people had very different views than I do. Um, and, you know, I've experienced cancel culture long before there was a term cancel culture. Right. So I think that that is it's, it's a really tough thing because I don't want to you know, negate the reality that there are people whose livelihoods are at stake. Um, you know, that they're, that the stakes are high. And so, you know, I respect people who feel that they need to make choices in what they share um, and what is public and what's private for them. But I also know for me personally, I, it was something I wrestled with for so long. And I actually, I've gone kind of through waves of where I have been more public and times where I've retreated. And I know mm -hmm. when the lockdown first happened, I struggled so much because I felt like it was hypocritical of me not to speak my truth. And I felt that I had to do it regardless of what the ramifications were going to be and whether people liked me or not. And, you know, it, it was definitely controversial. Like there, there were people who did not take well to it at all. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I did suffer some very real consequences. Um, so, but to get back to, you know, that's kind of, you know, in the very extreme context of speaking your truth. Right, um, right. But I think that, you know, we, I would love to tap into a little bit about this, uh, like, what does it mean to be likable? And yeah, what makes people, what, what do people think makes them likable versus what is truly self-love? Because the other side of this, you know, when I said things become trendy, right mm -hmm. now it's very trendy to sell, like, self-care, oh, get a spa, a spa day, you know, uh, treat yourself. <laughs> and, you know, I don't really think, you know, there are cases where that truly is self-care, but a lot of times that's not really what self-care looks like. And I think people have kind of a misconception of what true self-care is and what self-love, where that's yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, when we're talking about this is what does, when you were asking the question of what does likability look like, mm -hmm. right? Is it kind of brings me back to, to the earlier days when, you know, I first immigrated to the States and I was just, you know, as they say, fresh off the boat, so to speak, and like, didn't know any English to total misfit, you know, cultural indifferences. Like I, 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 I and the, the biggest thing really at the time was like likability. It was like just wanting to be liked. And I think the misconception was likability and acceptance. Yeah. And, and I think that's a really big one because a lot of, I think a lot of people misconstrue that because they want to be liked, but they also want to be accepted because uh, here's an example as let's say, you know, you have different political views, like right now with the election and everything that's going on, right, is yeah. people are afraid to blend in with others simply because they're afraid that, well, you know, that person's not, not going to like me because they don't share the same political views. It's like, right. and we talked about this in the previous episode of the difference of opinion. It's like, it's okay to agree to disagree, but, you know, likability and self-love is really at the core inside yourself. 
mm-hmm. is understanding that, you know, to be likable, first of all, you shouldn't really care about being likable. Like, let's let's face it. Like, most people are so worried about, is everybody in the world going to like me? Like, who I am? Are they going to reject me? And what the hell is that going to do to me? Right. So that, that's a very interesting uh, question because I, I think there is a, you know, I, I'm not going to say that it's not important for people to, to like you or that people shouldn't care. You know, there is an element of antisocial personality when you just, or sociopathy, when you just truly don't care what other people mm-hmm. think. That's not human nature. We are pro-social creatures. We want to feel that we do have belonging. We want to feel that we do connect with others. Um, you know, there's a reason why being ostracized can literally feel like uh, it can feel like an attack and not just a personal emotional attack. It can feel like a physical attack. And that is biological. It's bioevolutionary mm-hmm. uh, in its uh, bioevolutionary psychological principle, because, you know, back in uh, Paleolithic times, if you were truly ostracized or if you lived, uh, you know, somewhere like in a very rural, uh, really cold region, then you might die because we were so interdependent um, on other human beings. You know, some people had to uh, had to do the nurturing. Some people had to gather. Sure. Some people had to do the hunting. So in order to literally survive, to get shelter, food, and water, um, you depended upon other people. And in a sense, we were much more alike, uh, like pack animals in that way. Uh, we were more tribal. So that, while we certainly are not like that today, we do still have remnants of it, uh, both mm-hmm. in our psychological and biological makeup. And we are definitely still dependent on uh, well, You know, we, we're not islands unto ourselves. So I think I, I just want to start by saying, like, it's understandable that people do want to be like. That's natural. However, sure. I think that what, at the core, people need to start with knowing who they are. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, one of the things when I started to speak out more about my views, one of the things I really had to wrestle with is a lot of people started calling me really nasty names. And oh, no. I had to, yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, people, some of them were people who I, you know, I, I had personal relationships with and I had actually been quite close to. And it was hard not to be really upset and very hurt. Um, Mm -hmm. But what I had to recognize was I know who I am as a person. I know I'm a good person. And I knew that the names that they were calling me were not accurate. And I had to look at my behavior and my conduct throughout my life and the choices that I've made and how I interact with people and how I show up for myself and others. And were these statements really true or were they lashing out and attacking me because they had no... Uh, intellectual recourse. They had no argument to what I was saying, and therefore their their path was just to personally attack me with things yeah. that I knew not to be true. So, uh, because I'm secure in who I am as a person, not that it didn't hurt, because that I'd be lying if I said you know that I like people saying nasty things to me. I don't. Uh, but I right. also had to say to myself, this person clearly doesn't know me that well, or they don't know themselves that well. Because if they're going to make those kind of comments when I have never yeah. shown myself to be any of those things, then that's false. And that's either they don't know me and they don't know who I am, they don't respect me and they don't value me, or they're yeah. so insecure that they feel their only way of 
so-called winning this battle is to make false accusations that are very personal because yep. they know personal attacks tend to get a response. You know, people oftentimes people don't have they're very reactionary. It's very hard for somebody to sit back and you know the old adage was sticks and stones may break my bones but words may never harm me. I think yeah. we've lost a lot of that in this culture um, because people used to really look at it that way. You know, you, you throw yep. words at me, they're not nice, I don't like them, but I can take this and I know who I am, I'm strong enough as a person to fight back with other words or to ignore you. But mm -hmm. now people really do get very reactionary instead of sitting back and assessing what's, what's happening and assessing the yeah. value of that relationship. Yeah. No, you mentioned... I absolutely agree 100%. And a couple of things that you mentioned that, you know, I wanted to touch upon is, first of all, I think people make accusations because of their own sense of insecurity, believe it or not, because, uh, and some people actually feel violated because it's a egocentric thing. As I know males do, especially it's like if someone, you know, tries to overpower you or one up you, it's like, oh, no, 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 you ain't going to do that, dude. You know, it's like an ego. I almost feel like it's a, testosterone thing you know in males and then the other thing that you mentioned at the very beginning is you know self-love the importance of knowing who you are and i think you know one of the most challenging things right now in the world that we live in is is that people are i think too afraid to love themselves mm -hmm. you know to to take care of themselves to know who they are as a person you know like you know why do you do something you know does, does it make you happy does it make you fulfilled you know, does it does it give you gratification? And if so, cool. You know, why are you worried about what everybody else thinks? And you were talking about likability too, that I wanted to touch upon is like, you know, you were talking about, you know, likability in a sense of survival. Yeah. Uh, right? Is this that sure? Yeah, I think you need to be likable by other people, but I think there's a difference between likability and validation and acceptance, which a lot of people misconstrue because to be liked you can be liked by other like-minded people like you know me and you here we're chatting on the show you know there's a sense of you know likability there's a sense of being like-minded you know similar thoughts similar intentions and i think that's what people you know are so worried about and especially with social media it's like you know most people want to be likable by the masses Mm -hmm. You know, they want like everybody to follow them, everybody to like everything that they say, everybody to, you know, understand what they're saying. The reality of things is like, no, not everybody's going to accept that. Like, you know, and you were talking about how, you know, being offended by, by someone and it really got me thinking. It's like, uh, as the saying goes, you know, uh, the people closest to us will hurt us the most. And I, I got to thinking about that is, is, you know, when you were talking about uh, sticks and bones or um, sticks I, I'm butchered, right, sticks, sticks and stones, stones may break, break my bones. bones. Words may never harm me. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And, I, and I, I think about that and I'm like, you know what? People closest to us, the reason they hurt us the most is because uh, they mean the most to us. They're the most heartfelt, totally. you know, closest to, to our hearts. And, you know, that's absolutely understanding. But, you know, the likability versus self-love. I mean, we're, we've talked so much about likability. I want to talk a little bit about self-love and what that means. Yeah. You know, self-love is, you know, well, accepting yourself, you know, who you are. You know, um, like I, I know this is a really big one. The reason I, I wanted to talk about this on the show is because people, I think, are sacrificing self-love for likability. 
I think you're right. Absolutely. And you know, it, it's interesting when, uh, when the lockdowns first happened, one of the things that I kept talking to people about was that mm -hmm. this was a really good opportunity for people to start to understand themselves and get to know themselves. And, you know, that seems, uh, I think on the surface, it may seem kind of either cliche or silly, uh, but I truly believe most people really don't do that. Most people don't know themselves very well. We spend so much time um, as a culture looking outward, looking externally. Um, right. And very few people have really taken the time to get to understand who they are, what makes them tick, and what they need. What they need and what they don't need. Um, and right. what they need to cut out of their lives, you know. And I think that, uh, you know, boundaries. And I think boundaries are actually a huge part of self-love. Yeah. Um, and I think they're the part that, you know, we were talking about likability. This is where some of it does get a little bit conflated um, and hard to extricate because a lot of people really struggle with creating boundaries. But in order to create the boundaries, you first need to know who you are. You need to know what you need and what's fulfilling for you. And so much of self-love is, you know, like I was making the joke before about yep. like people think self-love is going to take a spa day or treating themselves. For some people, that may be true. For other people, it's saying no to those things. You know, it's saying, yeah. okay, I've been really indulgent. I don't need that right now. You know, or maybe for some people, self-love is discipline. Sometimes self-love is actually doing the hard things. But the first step is knowing who you are and being really honest yeah. with yourself. And I think a lot of people don't want to be honest with themselves because, you know, there, there's a saying, wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's true. We... The one person, no matter how big a family you have, you know, whether you're married, single, whether you have children, the one person you have to live with day in and day out for the rest of your life is you, the person in the mirror. Yep. And I think a lot of times people avoid really getting to know themselves because there's, a, you know, there's something scary about that. If you really know who you are, you know, that's the person you can't escape. Yeah. But I think that that is the first step. People need to really start to understand who they are and then understand what are their boundaries, what are their needs, what are their desires, um, you know, and what things, uh, what are their fears? And yeah. that's kind of first step. Yeah. No, those are all very important things that, that you mentioned. You know, you talked about boundaries, uh, talked about, you know, understanding what makes you tick and talk. And, you know, uh, you're living with yourself for the rest of your life. I mean, people will come and go in your life. I mean, you know, whether you're, you're married, single, in a relationship, whatever it might be, people come and go, you yeah. know, and that's kind of like the circle of life, so to speak, is, you <laughs> know, is. even your loved ones come and go, you know, that's, that's the unfortunate part of it. So yes, you do need to get in tune with yourself. And this is why, you know, I personally probably over the last, I don't know, at least a year that I can think of, I've been really beca become a, a bigger proponent for self-development simply because it has to do with self-love, you know, personal development, mindset, health, fitness. And, I, and I've realized and I've had so many people along the way that have kind of attributed to, to this and validating that, basically saying that, okay, if you are more in tune with like your health and fitness, then you're going to love yourself more. If you love yourself more, that's going to impact your life and business. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, how in the hell is that going to do that? And I think that's 
one of the things that people don't realize is just that they don't acknowledge that until you start practicing these things. I was just going to say that. Yes. Literally, like you have to start practicing these things. And I of all people, trust me, with my numerous amount of failures, it's like, no, I mean, that's not going to bring you any gratification. It's like bullshit. You know, it will. You just yeah. got to do it. You know, when you change your mindset, when you start loving yourself more, when you start not saying, okay, I don't, I don't need to be liked by everybody. I don't need to be accepted by society because I'm doing different things. I don't need to blend in with the rest of the herd. I just need to be myself. But I need to figure out who is myself, who am I? And most people don't know who they are because they're living in a fictitious world. They really are. And that's the saddening part because, look, I mean, maybe because I'm also getting older, I'm starting to realize that self-love is far more important than anything else. And it's like, it's, it's okay. It's okay to, to feel like the rest of the world might see you as an outcast, but you know what? Do you love yourself? Heck yeah, you do. Does that matter? Is that the only thing that matters? Of course it does. Who cares about, I mean, yes, likable by like-minded people, but likability and validation and acceptance is completely different. I mean, am I on the right path here? I think we're talking about I the same thing. Right? I, I, I absolutely agree. But I do think a lot of it, you know, you, you said it about practice. And, you know, there are people, and I see this a lot, people who get kind of caught up in a, you know, the personal development uh, hamster wheel is what I call it. You know, they, <laughs> they're, they're consuming all this right. personal development. They're going from, you know, one self-help group to the next, to this coach, to this therapist. And they're just, or they're reading all these books. But the reality is that that's still a form of seeking validation. It's sure. not truly, uh, you have to practice and you do have to, you know, you also touched on it. You were talking about failures. So, you know, a huge part of self-love is not, um, I think people sometimes think self-love is like, oh, I love myself and I can do no wrong. It's not narcissism. It's not hubris. No. Self-love is really acknowledging your flaws, acknowledging your previous mistakes, knowing you will make future mistakes. And it's not, um, it's not like absolving yourself of the responsibility or the uh, you know, accountability of those consequences it's about knowing that you are flawed knowing you're a work in progress owning that doing what you can to take responsibility and hold yourself accountable moving forward what can you learn from those mistakes that you've made in the past what can you recognize about your faults knowing that you are never going to be perfect that is not the end goal the end goal is to recognize what your flaws are what your strengths are how can you enhance your strengths, mitigate right. your weaknesses, and work work against your your faults so that you you know don't you don't become a victim to them? You well, know, I think a lot of times yeah. people think self love is just a you know not taking responsibility. Oh well, you know I'm flawed, but I'm so great anyway. I, I'm being really glib, but you sure. know that's the extreme <laughs> of it. But it that's not what it is it is really taking full ownership yeah and you know having respect for yourself yeah and doing the work well you know forward. you mentioned something that's that i wanted to touch upon is first of all self-love is a multifaceted thing and you know you were you were you were talking about you know being accountable also but then you also mentioned imperfections 
And let's face it, okay? I think most people want to be perfect because the world wants them to be perfect. Like, you know. Or they think the world wants them to be perfect. Exactly. <laughs> they think the world uh, want, wants them to be perfect. And honestly, if you ask me, I'm like, no. In, re in reality, you should care about, you know, what you want, not what the world wants, what you want. Mm -hmm. So don't worry about I perfection. I would just like to interject on that, sure. though. I actually think that it's a misconception to think that the world wants you to be perfect because no human being is perfect. Um, and I don't think mm -hmm. other people are looking for perfect people. You know, I think so, the, a lot of those imperfections is what makes you human and relatable. Um, and in some cases, actually, in some cases, likable, you know. So I, yep. I think that that is something that people really uh, mistake often, that they think yeah. everybody wants them to be perfect. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. Uh, that's because most people are so worried about outsider perception, whether their own individual perception, you know, and it's really interesting because there was there was a, a recent encounter that really got me thinking about the whole imperfection thing. Right. And uh, it was an interaction that I had with someone and, you know, they were talking about how, oh, we're all imperfect and, and this, this, this and this. But it's, it's just amazing when someone makes a mistake and suddenly like they fail to acknowledge their imperfections because they're so worried about, you know, the what the world might think. The word about judgment, the word about yeah. judgment from others, because let's face it, we are all imperfect. And I, I have all people with the first one to say I'm probably one of the most imperfect ones. But it's realizing that because let's face it, for, for one, you know, uh, if you were perfect, the world will be a dull place because then you have a bunch of perfect people. That means that <laughs> there will be no contribution to society whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So, and let's face it. I mean, we want to, we need to contribute to society and in part our imperfections do because they create experiences and learning lessons. So yes. when it comes to self love, realize that you're imperfect, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, love yourself for that and understand that that might actually be a unique trait, believe it or not. That might, you know, okay. gravitate towards others or create attraction from others. And but people are so worried and say, Oh man, I have a deficiency. No, you don't have a deficiency. <laughs> you have an imperfection. You know, like a deficiency is a deficiency in its sense. You know, deficiency and imperfections are a little different, but at the core of self-love is just saying taking responsibility, being accountable, acknowledging that acknowledging those imperfections and saying, it's okay. You know, it's okay. Don't blame yourself and say, oh my God, I'm a terrible human being because I have imperfections. That's what a lot of people do. Well, and I think it, that also, it comes to, uh, it relates to identity. You know, so I think a lot of times what people do is they'll take something that they perceive as being an imperfection of theirs and they make that the, the whole of who they are. Mm -hmm. And you know, instead of recognizing that's an imperfection, it may be something that they can work on, that they can, you know, uh, they can improve upon, but it's not the whole sum total of who they are as a person. And I, right. I think that that's, a, you know, where a lot of it gets uh, challenging for people because they, they go into it, it becomes this negative feedback loop, you know, oh, well, that's my flaw. And, you know, so yep. then I'm a terrible person and nobody's ever going to like me and I hate myself. And, you know, when in reality it may be, just one thing that you can work on, you can improve on, or something that you don't do very well, or a mistake you made. Yeah. And these things are, you know, a small facet of who you, you are. You know, 
you said something that I wanted to br- bring up, and this probably for a separate episode. But um, uh, when you were when you were talking about just a second ago, is how people create this false perception of themselves, or they create accusations based on the perception mm-hmm. that the world has of them, and start saying, "I'm a terrible person." And that got me thinking. I was actually thinking about it in the car yesterday as I was driving, um, and you know that that had to do with um, fear. So I was thinking about fear and I'm like, you know what? A lot of fear is self-induced. And I feel like a lot of fear is self-induced from the uh, perception that we have on the outside world and the way they see us. And so like, and and it's different fears, you know? Um, And so that kind of really goes into like imperfections in a way, because, you know, you see yourself as, you know, someone who's incapable. And I think that's where like stress comes about also where depression comes about also because, you know, unless of course it's a chemical imbalance, which then you can't really control. But, you know, on some sense, stress and depression and some fear and the lack of self-love comes from false perceptions of out of the outside world. And, you know, let's just face it. And there's a confidence thing false perception too. of themselves as well. But yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's a there's a self-confidence thing here, too, you know, about self-love. So self-love in part is, is to be confident, I think, you know, yeah. it's to be confident. I, I was someone who, you know, when I was younger, struggled with self-confidence because of being bullied all through high school. And sure. I remember, you know, really? going through that. <laughs> Yeah, I remember going through that and now talking about self-love. It's like, man, I wish I loved myself more back then and be more confident, more more bold. But when you're young, I feel like you're 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 afraid. You're afraid to to stand up because like, well, is everybody going to look at me cuz I'm different? It's so interesting cuz we were talking about uh action and practice and my father used to tell me that confidence comes from having done something and knowing you can do it again. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that there's a lot of truth in that. And yeah. I think, you know, when you're saying that you wish that you had been more confident when you were younger, uh, but that you were scared and it was hard to stand up. I think that yeah. that's very understandable. I certainly relate to it. I think a lot of people listening can probably relate to that. However, that first time you do it, it gets a little bit easier. And I think that actually builds confidence in yep. You know, when I was talking about personally for myself, starting to share my views and speak up, I know, <laughs> you know, somebody had made a comment. I had said, I had repeated a conversation I was having. They were like, wait, wasn't this the, the really shy, like, you were right. so scared and timid. You didn't want to say what you thought. And, uh, you know, I think when once I started to do it, it's not that it ever gets easy because, you know, all those fears and self-doubts, you know, those those come back. You know, they don't, they don't just yeah. disappear, yeah. but you know, I, I'll give you one more example, um, that is, it's really cognitive behavioral therapy. And I know when I was a really little kid, I was severely OCD. Like I used to make my hands bleed. I, you know, wouldn't share like a drink with anybody. I wouldn't, you know, share sure. the same, uh, yeah, like silverware or anything. I, I couldn't even actually share the same silverware with myself, my poor parents and right. had to do a million dishes. Um, but I would play little games with myself because I had so many other challenges and I, you know, wanted to be liked. And I knew there were so many other reasons to be, for people to think I was different and to exclude me and to not like yeah. me. That I said, you know, I have control over this. I can 
I, this one I can get rid of. And so I used to play little games with myself. Like I would let my mom have a sip from my cup. And then I would say, okay, if I didn't die, <laughs> maybe I'll let her have another sip. You know, I didn't tell no. anybody. I, it wasn't like this was a publicized kind of, but it was just this. And going back to confidence, I had confidence that, okay, maybe this isn't as scary as I think it is. Maybe like all those germs aren't going to come and attack me at once and I'm not going to suddenly die, you know. Um, and granted, this was a very, you know, extreme uh, thing that not everybody, you know, can relate to. But I think everybody can relate to the context of it. You know, taking yeah. that first step and then proving to yourself you can do it. It's really scary the first day of a new job, the first day, you know, when you were a kid, the first day of yeah. school. The second day of school is not as scary. You know, that first time you step into a gym or a new town or a new relationship, anything, but it gets easier. Yeah. And the more times you do it, you know, the more confident you are in, okay, I may be a little nervous right now, but I've done this before. I've been here. I know I'm going to survive. I can do it again. It's and that to me is real confidence. Uh, absolutely. I couldn't agree 100%. And, and just to elaborate upon that is like you said, the, the re repetition, you know, builds, builds um, traction and builds momentum, yeah. you know, and so you were talking about, you know, first day of school, you know, uh, new relationship, you know, you know, any anything that has a first experience is always frightening. And I, I think it's yeah, no. because differentiation also is differentiation and that's very same like when you oppose someone when you oppose someone on what they believe in their their morals their values because you have different you know opinion or belief or moral values and you know this is actually really powerful the opposition the differentiation because it leads me to believe to like you know how world wars actually happen or how two countries go into wars is because of opposition because difference of opinion because of you know first interaction and there's friction you know and i think like first interactions actually create friction that we are so afraid of as human beings because you know it, to, to be 100 percent confident and bold and say you know what i love myself this is the first experience i'm going to conquer it with confidence you know like I don't know many people, maybe I'd only a couple people that are actually, you know, that adamant in their pursuit of doing that because everybody's so frightened. First experiences and loving themselves and uh, as opposed to working, you know, uh, worrying about what everybody else thinks when is it likability or is it acceptance, validation from society? It's like, and then you suddenly realize that, you know what, my life, business relationships is really all about how I perceive it, the choices I make yeah. and how I self love myself, yeah. what I choose to, right? Because it's a mindset thing. And suddenly, but a lot of people don't realize this, how, how powerful that mindset is to choose, yeah. to have the option to choose, to make a selection, regardless of what anyone's you. What do you choose? Do you choose self-love? Do you choose liberty? If you choose both, well, don't misconstrue likability with acceptance. You know, make sure you understand what likability means, but love yourself at the core. Love yourself. Like, I've been thinking about well, this, too. Is this, Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, when you say choose both, I think um, it, it's about uh, you know, knowing, not compromising. 
So I, I think it's fine to choose both as long as you're not compromising yourself to do it. So when you start compromising your values, your integrity, your sense of self, your identity to be liked, then you no longer, you, you compromise that sense of self. And that leads to less self-love. You know, it leads yeah. to uh, more self-hatred and to depression and to confusion, anxiety, um, you know, because you're being dishonest with yourself. So I think that it's, it's yep. fine to, you know, like I said before, we are social creatures. We do want to be liked. That's totally understandable. In some cases, you know, I would even say in some extreme cases, it might even be necessary. Um, but I don't think that, I think you have to weigh out, like in everything, you weigh out the risk versus reward. And am I doing something to be liked that may be compromising the core of who I am and my integrity? And you know, that's something for me that I, integrity is definitely one of my mm -hmm. first principles. You know, it's something I value uh, very highly and I wrestle constantly. If something's going to put my integrity in jeopardy, then no matter how uh, likable it may make me, I'm, I'm not willing to do it because my integrity is more important to me. And that's not necessarily true for everyone, but I do think it's important for everyone to at least acknowledge it and to weigh it out, to really yep. assess. And that's part of integrity. You know, it's yep. for yourself. Where do your values lie? What's more important to you? I couldn't agree 100% more. And here's why is because uh, this is actually very ironic because um, I had scheduled an Instagram post to push out in 15 minutes from now. And um, it, it has to do about choosing yourself. Maybe because I was in the mindset of <laughs> likability versus self-love. And um <laughs> But you said, I choose integrity. And one thing that I mentioned in my post is that how many people are sacrificing integrity for likability? And there's a huge difference. There really is, you know, between likability and integrity. Integrity is all about, you know, uh, individuality in part, like who you are, what you represent, you know, your morals and values, uh, which really kind of goes back to also self-love, like who you are as a person and how do you represent yourself and whether or not, you know, you are representing yourself based on how others want to perceive you or how you see yourself, like at your core, which is truly self-love. Like, you know, I've been trying to keep things clean on the show, but, you know, naturally, most people that know me or have been following me know that I curse. I'm very unorthodox. I'm very direct. I wear my heart on my sleeve, yeah. you know, and to many people, that's very polarizing. You know, it's very polarizing because, I, you know, I, if I don't agree with something, I'll say F you, man. You know, <laughs> like if you don't like it, well, F you again, you know, <laughs> it's like and 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 to me, it's it's about expression. And I think in part of self-love, you have to have expression. Don't worry about, you know, uh, you know what people are going to think, because you one or two things will happen. They'll either like you or they'll hate you. And let's face it, the more haters you have, like I've been embracing this mentality is like the more haters you have, the more it's an indication that you're doing something right because you're getting so in tune with yourself, which means that, oh man, I'm really loving myself now. Right. I, I think there is truth in that because, uh, you know, if you aren't uh, upsetting somebody, then it, you, you really haven't taken a risk. And it, you know, yep. I think that that is a part of certain, you know, people have varying risk thresholds. You know, there, there's actually a risk-taking gene. So, you know, some people have much higher threshold for risk than others, which is totally fine. But life is about risk. You can't avoid life. 
you can't avoid taking risks in life. You can't get through your whole life without taking a risk. And I yep. think that people who have a strong sense of self are, you know, not that they're going to recklessly take, you know, uh, unabashed risks, but, you know, they will take risks um, for things that they really believe in and things they really want. And that yep. is a part of self-love is that knowing that you may have to compromise something to be true to yourself. And there are other people who are going to have their feathers ruffled by it. You know, that's so that yeah. absolutely. I, I, I agree with you that if, you know, you don't have any haters, you probably haven't taken any risks. So, well, yeah. that's the, the reason I actually brought that up. And, and you actually made a, another really great point is just that risk about risk is let's face it this way. Is anytime you take a risk, that's going to create friction in the marketplace. It's going to create friction with people because there's going to be some people that agree with what you're doing and there's going to be some people who disagree. The dis, you know, the naysayers, so to speak, are going to start bashing and negating and blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you know is you're blocking them all over social media, right? But then the more you think about that is like you have to take that risk, like you said, to have some sense of progression in your life. Uh, the flip side of risk, actually, that I got to thinking about because I was reading this somewhere. Oh, I think it was the definition of entrepreneurship is this that I think it was on Wikipedia that talks about how an entrepreneur is someone who takes calculated risks. Yep. And I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, well, if you ask me, a risk is a risk. Like, how much can you calculate, you know, the, the pros and cons of a risk? Like it's a problem. It's a matter of probability, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you absolutely can. <laughs> um, and you know, like an educated guess is considered a conjecture. Um, right. And that's what you do when you're taking risks. So I've done stunts before um, as an actress and mm -hmm. an athlete. You know, you some of those things are very risky. You know, when you're jumping 20, 30 feet in the air onto a small little crash mat. Um, you know, you, yep. you really hope that your aim is going to be pretty darn good because if it's not and you miss that mat, you know, your chances of survival go way down. <laughs> um, and your chances of surviving yep. with no injuries are even, you know, lower. Well, so even then, I just wanted to interject on that is the probability mm -hmm. the chance is 50-50. Whether or not you land on that crash mat, right? Because <laughs> you either will or you won't. So, like, right. is that yeah. a calculated risk? It, it's still a calculated risk because... It comes from knowing your uh, it, your sense of skill, your aim, the circumstances of that particular trick that you're doing. Like, for example, if it is a high fall, mm -hmm. um, yeah. you know, are you doing a high fall with a flip? Are you doing a high fall off a ledge that is, uh, you know, pretty thick or narrow? How far away is that mat? How big is that crash mat? You know, are you wearing a harness? Um, what is a, right. is there a lot of wind, you know, what, how, what's the altitude? How many times have you done that? There are lots of variables. I could go on and on. So right. you know, we'll say it's 50, 50 in some cases, it may be, you don't always know, but That's the, right. somebody who's really doing, you know, there's somebody who does this for a living, isn't just winging it. You know, they're really assessing each time. And there are times where, you know, a uh, the stunt artist may say, you know, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Like, I'm not going to take the job. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's, and that's totally within their purview. And it's, but it's not, I think a lot of people see uh, people who do things like this and they think they're very reckless. Like there's, I'll give you another example. There's a guy who, I, I'm blanking on his name, but he 
does uh, these rock climbing, you know, very high yeah. mountains, and he does it without a harness or anything. And I have read and listened to interviews with him, you know, because people think he's just so totally reckless. He just loves the thrill. And if you right. listen to him, he's actually a very calculated, uh, methodical person. He has weighed out every scenario possible. And for him, it's about problem solving. It's not reckless at all. Right. So, yes, you can calculate risks. And some people are willing to take what seem like much greater risks, but to them it's not. So it really varies on the person. Yeah. No, that's so that example you were talking about is this cliffhanger is what comes to mind for me <laughs> right there. But, uh, you know, you're right. Is just that, you know, calculated risk is calculated risk. You know, there is uh, obviously always chances for the unforeseen to happen in this case. Right. And I think that really goes back to, you know, self-love and likability. Self-love is just that the unforeseen will happen. The unforeseen is, for instance, think about it this way. Right. Uh, let's say you're in a gymnasium. And maybe you're watching a game, right? Well, when we could prior to COVID-19, I guess, okay. right? In a fictitious world. And, uh, or maybe you're watching a speaker, right? Let, let's, let, let's kind of spice this up. You're watching a speaker, uh, right? And there's maybe, I don't know, 500 people in the audience, right? Well, the speaker says something that a lot of people are like, oh, man, that's, that's too polarizing. Like, you can see people looking at each other with, like, uncertainty, right? Like they're, yeah. they're questioning, like, why did he say this? And then the only one that stands up and says, hell yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, yes, I believe in this. And like the instant reaction to that is this. Most people are looking at you and are thinking like, is this guy crazy? You know, like, like nobody wants, wants that. Right. And that's where I think self-love comes in is it's like, if you love yourself enough, you'll stand up for what you believe in. Yep. Period. Stand up for what you believe in, regardless of what, but you know what? That's easier said than done. I no, it absolutely my... is easier than said and done. Mm -hmm. But it goes back to, you know, what I was talking about in the beginning about, you know, these people who made these really nasty, hurtful comments. And yep. in a couple of cases, I had to really take a look at myself and say, have I ever behaved in such a way that would make this person think that that's who I am? Yep. And at the end, I my honest answer was no. They're making this says something about them. This isn't about me. And I, I think that that is about self-love. You know, for me, I am yeah. far from perfect. I have certainly made lots of mistakes. I, you know, I do my best to be nice to others, but I, I'm certainly not. There, there have been times where I haven't been so nice, but that sure. doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. And that doesn't mean <laughs> that I intentionally go around trying to hurt people, you know, or. Um, right. Yeah. And I, you know, so that was something that. No, it's not easy. It's a much easier said than done. And it was a big risk for me. And it was also an even bigger uh, challenge for me to sit back when people were making those kinds of comments and to not either uh, beat myself up and decide I was a horrible person as a result of it yeah. or immediately go down the spiral of nobody likes me, everyone hates me, or I must be a horrible person. You should just kill yeah. me now, you know, like... And I really had to take a cold, hard look in the mirror and assess, are these people, one, that I even want in my life? Are, the, are these relationships that are worth salvaging? Should I have a private conversation with them? And, you know, who am I? You know, are these statements accurate? And that, yeah. yep. I think that's what people need to really do. And it's not easy. 
it's not easy at all because we we want no. the we want the instant gratification. We want the uh, we want the dopamine hit. We want everybody to cheer us on. Rah rah! You're amazing. Yeah. You can do no wrong. No, that's as you were saying that. You know, I was thinking about this. Is this that? Uh, and it really goes back to what we're talking about is self-love is just that, you know, to stand up for what you believe in to, to defend yourself against society, because society will try to warp you in every mm -hmm. single form and fashion from a mindset standpoint, you know, like I, I'm, I'm thinking about when we're talking about self-love right now, is just like, you know, most of the world and society you know, uh, want you to be like this, this perfect human being, like, you know, be, have lots of money, live in a big house, fancy car, look good, be like an amazing athlete or like, and then they want to hate you for it, by the way. And they'll hate you for <laughs> then it. They want to hate you for it. You, you must be evil if you have all those things. <laughs> exactly. And they'll hate you for it because it either creates jealousy or well, in most cases creates jealousies for most people. It's like, why is someone so is like doing better than me? Like, what do they got? Then I don't. And it's like, dude, like self love, man. Like, love yourself. If you love yourself, in fact, you're going to be, if you, the only way you, I think you're going to be successful in part is if you love yourself. But to love yourself is realizing who am I at the core? Like, what do I stand for? What are my morals and beliefs? And do I care about what anybody else thinks? Really? I, I do want to say something about that, though. I actually mm -hmm. don't think success and self-love are synonymous. I think people, there are a lot of people who are very fueled by self-hatred and do uh, achieve a very high level of success as a result. And that's not always the case, but there are people no. like that. And the two are not, they're not synonymous. And success, on the other hand, does not breed self-love necessarily. Some people, you know, get to the top of their game in whatever it is that they're striving for, and they end up feeling incredibly lonely, incredibly loathsome of themselves and the world around them. Um, so a lot of times people think success, but I think that goes again to this notion of likability. They think that they have all these uh, accomplishments and they, they almost collect them. The accomplishments are like right. collecting the big house, collecting, you know, the fancy car, whatever it is for them. And you know, right. success is defined differently for different people. And again, I think that's what self-love is about. What does success mean to you? It's not about what it looks like because success can be, it can actually be a very lonely place for some people. And a lot of times, and for some people, it's not motivated out of self-love. Now, when it's the opposite, when somebody actually has a very strong sense of self and is fueled by, uh, you know, a sense of purpose and they achieve success uh, via mm -hmm. that purpose and drive, that's incredibly fulfilling. And then they don't care who, what they hate, yeah. who the haters are yeah. because they know their purpose. They're committed to that. They're connected to that. And they're fulfilled by it. Yeah. No, I – so you were talking about purpose, and I wanted to elaborate upon that. I think – a why and a purpose really attributes to self-love also so much because you have a purpose for why you do something. And that really, you know, stems all the way back up to self-love because, you know, you do things for certain reasons. Like, you know, for me, for instance, family is really important. In fact, that, that's my number one priority is family. In fact, you know, over the last probably couple of weeks, I've really given a significant thought of like, well, what are my priorities and how does that fall within self-love? And, you know, I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, family's first, business is second and fitness is third. Right. Like those are my, my three priorities. And like, 
you know, what's been really kind of frustrating about that from a self-love standpoint is realizing, okay, so there's some days where I know I have a shit ton of work to do. I'm like, all right, well, today's Friday. The kids want to go trick-or-treating, right? You know, I know, I know, you know, the time's going to come around. I'm still going to be swamped with work. So now choices, right? Choices. And I'm thinking like, okay. And then if I don't make the right choice, because, and it's usually I'm facing some kind of friction because of the workload that I have. So suddenly like the self-love steps in and it's like, Ivan, should you really be kept working instead of going trick or treating with the kids? It's like, wait, no, that goes to your price. And you get into these debacles, like almost like, you know, your heart and mind battle each other. You know, because like the heart wants what the heart wants, and then the mind wants what the mind wants. Like, can you guys just work together? Like, <laughs> like let's, yeah. let's collaborate here. This is a collaborative initiative. We all coexist in one body. You know, let's let's figure <laughs> it out here. And like, but that goes to self love because here's what happens is just that, and I struggle with this all the time. It's like. I'm always busy from a business standpoint. I always can't find enough time to go to the, to the gym because, well, well, just because of my schedule. And then it's family also. So it's like, sure. all right, the weekend rolls around. I'm like, all right, I need to get this done. I need to get, get this done. And then like, I start to hate on myself mm. because I realize I feel like these the imperfections that we talked about. Right. It's like I start thinking, oh, my God, I'm a terrible uh, uh, human being. You know, I'm terrible because I didn't do this and I really should have done that. And you start putting blame on yourself. And it's like, no, like you made a choice, you know, yes. you made a solid choice because you believe that was the right choice. And it's exactly. about that self-love. You made that choice because in part it's you chose to do that. It's about the individuality within yourself. And I, I, I want to add something about sure. self-compassion um, because, mm. you know, I was I, alluding to this earlier that, you know, a lot of people think self-love is just like absolving yourself of responsibility. And it's certainly yeah. not that. However, it is knowing that you are flawed, that you will make mistakes and having it's not making excuses for it, but it's having compassion for it. And, yeah. you know, you, choosing to learn and grow from it. So let's say one weekend you choose to, uh, you know, it's Halloween. Halloween comes around once a week, once right. a year. You know, you choose, you know, I really want to spend this time with my kids. I, I've cherished this time with my kids. My kids value it. You know, this is family time and that's my priority for tonight. And then some things don't get done or you choose vice versa. And in hindsight, you feel like you made the wrong choice. That's right. an opportunity to practice self-love. It's not about that choice, you know, it's a, it's about how do you have compassion for yourself moving forward. I did the best I could. I thought I made the right choice at that time. Hindsight is 2020, the line of the year. I can't wait till hindsight, until 2020 right. in hindsight, but, um, but you know, hindsight is 2020. So looking back, can I have compassion for myself and know that I can choose to learn from this experience and maybe the next time I'll make a different choice or maybe next time I will make the same choice and know that, you know, in some cases something has to compromise and I'm okay with that. Yeah, no, that's, that's just it. I, I think that's what a lot of people struggle with. I know personally I struggle with those things, but you know, what's really well, fascinating about that is, is the more I practice that, the more I practice making solid choices, yeah. uh, the more it becomes customary 
to me. And the more customary it becomes, the more acceptable uh, it becomes. And you brought up a really good example, you know, Halloween, obviously, you know, and around Halloween, you know, we do a lot of different things with, you know, the family and, you know, we uh, obviously take the kids trick or treating, you know, uh, blue at the zoo, like all kinds of different festivities. So like, you know, the month of October patches, you know, like, you know, that's always really busy. And so, uh, I, I think about this more. I'm like, you know what? I get to experience this once a year. And also I get to experience this once in a lifetime because my kids are only going to be this age once. Yeah. And, and I really like bringing this to mind. I'm like, okay, well, can, can work wait, you know, a couple of hours or maybe half a day because it's more important. And here's something that's really fascinating about that. Uh, Courtney, is this that I look at guys like Tony Robbins, for instance, you know, who's like a world renowned, you know, coach. And like he that's what he's been talking about for the better part of the last 20 plus years is basically self-love, like uh, understanding how to accept yourself and not worrying about what the rest of society means and making choices also that you feel comfortable with. Whatever they are, because at the end of the day is you're the person that gets to live with those. So, you know, if you're disappointing the choices that you make, then you're going to be disappointing in yourself. But that's how you get to learn because you make those choices. And then you realize that, OK, well, that made me unhappy. Well, if that made you unhappy, then what do you need to do to make yourself happy? Yeah. You know, yeah, and that's like, your responsibility. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, I know we could totally keep jamming about this topic. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, this is the, this is a really good topic, actually. You know, likability yeah, and self-discipline or self-love. Excuse me, self-love. Mm -hmm. Self-discipline self is a part of self-love, but yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, uh, amazing episode, Courtney. You know, I want to thank you for, for jamming with me. You know, I'm excited about uh, next week's episode. And uh, got any plans for the weekend, by the way? Ah. Uh. I, I did. Things have gotten kind of changed around a little bit. So, mm -hmm. but I don't have any Halloween plans actually. So, yeah, oh. we'll see. That may change. Okay. Uh, Halloween used to be one of my favorite holidays, and it, it's not so much anymore. And <laughs> now that we have a uh, dictator Newsom, it's less of it. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. I, cool. I did hear though. This is really funny. I heard um, some guy made an invention where, like, you it's like a candy shoot. So that did, did you oh, hear about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you talking about the the sliding thing to yes. hand out candy and alcohol? Yes. Like it was the, you know what? I feel like every news network picked that up. Which, yeah, I, I I was totally thinking that. I was like, if I was still like in my journalist yeah. days, that would have been the story I would have been on. <laughs> it was actually uh, I was sitting in the waiting room yesterday getting an oil change for my wife's car, and I saw that story because you know what, there's a TV in the waiting room. And while I'm like cranking away on my laptop doing some work, I happen to look up and I'm like, you know what, this is actually good because out of like, let's say the last, I don't know, like six stories that were negative, this is like actually more positive than anything. That yeah, talks about ingenuity. I mean, exactly. yeah, creativity, exactly. making, mm -hmm. you know, something positive out of a totally right. negative situation. Yeah, it's awesome. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, have an amazing weekend, whatever you. you choose to do. And yeah. for listeners, uh, thank you everyone for tuning into another episode of the Roz Project. Uh, it airs every Monday and Friday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, uh, noon Eastern Standard Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, live on Facebook, Periscope, LinkedIn Live, YouTube, 
and Twitch. And you can also pick up the audio version of this podcast available on all major audio uh, podcasting outlets out there. And without further ado, Courtney, have an amazing weekend. Thank you so much for spending the last hour with me. (laughs) Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Status, I'm a big dog, bet. I pull up on the block in a big Corvette. Yeah. Riding around the city with a stick, all black. Try with a stoker, we win.